is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. New COVID vaccine already approved for use in India. It's being called a game changer for the world. And some health experts want the Biden administration to change its approach to the virus, one that's geared towards living with COVID-19. Let's start with the vaccine. The new one, Cobravax, less expensive, easier to make than pretty much all the others that are out there right now. Dr. Peter Hotez, one of Cobravax's developers, also dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine, Baylor College of Medicine. Doctor, how is this vaccine different from the Pfizer, the Moderna, the J&J? Yeah, I mean, the the COVID vaccines we have in the U.S. use all brand new technologies, which were used to rapidly immunize the U.S. population. And the the problem with them is the ability to scale them to the billions of doses needed for the world's low and middle income countries, especially in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. So ours is an older technology, one that's been around a few decades, the same one used to make the recombinant hepatitis B vaccine, which has been around for several decades and used throughout the world. And it's made through microbial fermentation in yeast. It's a recombinant protein vaccine. It's actually a a vegan vaccine. It does not use any animal uh, materials at all. And um, the the nice thing about it is there's no limit to the amount you can scale. That technology is is used to make vaccines locally in India, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Vietnam, Brazil, many other countries. And, and simple refrigeration, it's the lowest cost of all the vaccines, maybe around $2 a dose, and a tremendous safety record and safety profile, just like the hepatitis B vaccine. So when you go down that checklist, it really does check the boxes as something that's uh, an outstanding target product profile for a global COVID vaccine. Was it always so kind of... our group, which has made these vaccines for years for parasitic disease and all other coronavirus vaccines, just pivoted and made it for the COVID-19 vaccine. And we transferred the technology with no patents, no strings attached. Yeah, I was going to say, was this always kind of on your mind in that kind of area? Like, okay, we can dust this off, we can make this work, and we can get this out to, to other countries. Yeah, because we had made uh, SARS and MERS vaccines over the last decade. So when the COVID-19 sequence uh, came online, I contacted my science partner for the last 20 years, Dr. Mary Elena Botazzi. I said, Mary Elena, we got this. We can make this. And and then it was a matter of just trying to get some funds to support our scientific program, and we were off to the races. And you were mentioning about uh, patents and things like that, no strings attached. So talk a little bit about the economics of it, because it's part of the sales point, obviously, for this vaccine, because you mentioned it's cheaper than the others. Uh, Who actually makes the money on this? Do you? We do not. Um, And and how much the the vaccine producers uh, in India, Indonesia, Bangladesh, and Botswana, where we've licensed it, we help in the co-development, will make is not clear either. I mean, it, you know, when you're in a, when your house is on fire, you don't start looking at how you're going to make money on something. And, and that's what we've worked with these partners for a long time and know that they have the same commitment that we have to save lives. And that's been our priority. You probably know how good it is against uh, original COVID and, and maybe Delta. Do we know anything about Omicron or, or how it might stack up as we because we're going to get more of these variants and hopefully we get enough vaccines out there to, to try and you know help the world so we don't see as many of them. Well, what we know is it's 
it's stacking up better than most of the vaccines against uh, Delta, Beta. Do you remember the B1351 that also rose out of South Africa last year? And um, just about every variant, we do not have access yet to the Omicron virus or pseudovirus, but uh, we do now, and so those experiments are forthcoming. So we have some optimism. It, it, it'll definitely not be as effective again as it is against Delta and the original lineages, but we think it'll be more effective than many of the existing uh, COVID vaccines. Do you see? And the... again, this is the reason why to do it, because you know, as long as we fail to vaccinate the world, we're going to have variants like Delta and Omicron arise out of the world's low and middle income countries. Do you see this vaccine being used here? We would love it. Um, the problem is, it's we've not been able to engage a U.S. partner a U.S. pharmaceutical partner, and it does require investment to, to make that happen. We get, I'm getting emails and calls every day, though, from people who say they you know, are a bit skittish about mRNA vaccines, either for themselves or their kids. They would love it, but so it's unfortunate we don't have that path. But, you know, the way it worked was Operation Warp Speed was all about incentivizing uh, the pharma companies for new technology. So we were odd men out in terms of receiving that kind of uh, funding. And and now I think any new company coming in looking at this might see that the U.S. market is now flooded with mRNA vaccines, so there's not a lot of incentive for companies to get into this space. Dr. Peter Hotez, Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine, Baylor College of Medicine. Coming up after this short break, does President Biden need to change his administration's approach to COVID-19? A group of former medical advisors to President Biden's transition team say that the administration needs to change the way it's dealing with COVID-19. And so they're out with a couple of op-eds in the Journal of the American Medical Association. They say we need to get used to a new normal living with COVID rather than working to wipe it out. Dr. Samuel Scarpino, Managing Director of Pathogen Surveillance at the Rockefeller Foundation's Pandemic Prevention Institute. So, doctor, kind of seems like we're always behind the virus playing catch up. How do we get out in front of it? That's absolutely right. One of the persistent public health challenges in the United States and in many countries is that we're always playing catch up. We don't invest enough in preparedness. If you think about the fact that with the stimulus funds that were distributed, that works out to about a million dollars per school in the U.S. Very few of those schools invested in the kind of ventilation systems that will help us have safer in-person schooling. We know that test turnaround times are still far too long. And whether it's the response to Wuhan back in 2020, the response to the Delta variant, now the response to the Omicron variant, we keep doing this catch-up game again and again and again. But why do we do it again and again and again? Is it that we have a pandemic, a parallel pandemic of stupidity in the country? Why do we do this? Well, part of it is that preparing for a pandemic is expensive and complicated. We know that people are going to have a behavioral response that's hard to predict. We know that it's become incredibly polarized in terms of people's positions on mask wearing, on interventions in schools, uh, on just about everything that that is a part of of the pandemic response. So that's certainly one of it. But the other is, I think there's this kind of out of sight, out of mind mentality that seems to happen, that as soon as things get a little bit better, you know, we declare victory and try to move on. And unfortunately, uh, the pandemic is not done with us yet. And we need to be preparing both for the next variant, but also for the next virus that may find itself in a crowded marketplace somewhere in the world. Seems like the answers have always kind of been here. We just haven't 
gotten to them. Number one is testing, right? We've had all this time to ramp up testing and make it better and make it easier. And, you know, in Europe and Germany, you can go to the pharmacy and they give you your two for the week and then send you home and it's free or it's seven bucks or whatever it is. And here you can't even find one half the time. Or, you know, I see the tweet every once in a while. Why didn't we mail N95s to everybody and put them in their mailbox? Like this stuff could have been done. Oh, I agree. I think there's a lot we could have done. You know, we could have testing and N95 masks also, you know, at libraries, at community centers, you know, just ubiquitous, you know, in bathrooms, all sorts of places where you can just pick them up and use them. There are some new tools that we're exploring at the Pandemic Prevention Institute. One of those is environmental-based surveillance, so wastewater epidemiology. We've got partners in places like Houston that are searching for the Omicron variant around nursing homes, around schools to try to deploy resources. I do think we need to get a lot smarter about a targeted response so that we can have as much of a normal existence as possible. But yes, there's so much more we need to be doing on the testing and and especially now on the mask wearing side. Well, other than developing these really incredible vaccines that that have great efficacy and are from all uh, observation and data, uh, really safe. Other than that, and that's, I don't mean to, to downplay that development. That small thing. Yeah, that small thing. Historic vaccine. But, but what else did we do? Did we do anything right other than that throughout this pandemic? Because it does seem as if the list of things we've done wrong and are still doing wrong is really long. Well, first, I would certainly agree that, you know, the that in terms of developing the vaccines is kind of, you know, like putting a man on the moon. It's one of, I, I certainly would think, and probably others would agree with me, one of the biggest scientific and medical accomplishments in, in generations. And that's because of decades of investment in, in this mRNA technology. And, and then also a huge investment on the part of the federal government to uh, re, you know, expedite the, the Moderna version of the vaccine. You know, things that we have done well outside of, of the vaccine itself, you know, we're seeing more wastewater-based surveillance come online. You know, we have seen testing improve at, at times. You know, we have this school-based testing program uh, that has has led to, you know, many, many, many more schools being able to stay open than, than have been, than would have otherwise. You know, we do have a lot of masks available now. You can buy N95 masks, you know, over, over the internet in many hardware stores. So, you know, there are things that we have done better I think it's just that we haven't done enough. We haven't embraced enough the importance of a layered public health strategy that has masking, ventilation uh, with the vaccines, contact tracing, these mobile apps that we all heard about two years ago that, that never went anywhere in the U.S. have saved lots of lives internationally. All these things prevent transmission, but they're also good for the economy. They prevent lockdowns. They keep schools open. All of our goals that we have are better achievable with this layered approach. Dr. Samuel Scarpino, Managing Director, Pathogen Surveillance, the Rockefeller Foundation's Pandemic Prevention Institute. We're starting to see debates about the COVID-19 vaccine play out in family courts throughout the country. Judges are weighing in on whether the children of divorced parents need to get vaccinated. And in some cases, they're telling unvaccinated parents they need to get their shots if they want to keep spending time with their children. Now, legal experts say... These kinds of decisions actually aren't entirely new to family courts. There is precedent for telling a parent who's a smoker, for instance, to stop doing so in their homes before their kids visit. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Stitcher.